chapter, uh, or 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I need you to bear with me tonight. I'm not going to preach tonight. Um, what I'm going to do tonight is we're going we're gonna to read some scriptures this evening. And uh, I want to highlight some things uh, to you. And uh, some, sometimes uh, the best thing you can do is just let, read the Bible and let the Bible interpret everything. You don't, have to, you don't have to speak for the Bible, just let the Bible speak for itself. Um, and that's really what we're going to do tonight. I, I, was, I was invited to a meeting today uh, with our uh, Congressman, Dale Strong, and uh, had the opportunity to, uh, to talk to him and uh, listen to him speak about some things that's going on in Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, some of it was uh, quite eye-opening, uh, some of the things that he talked about uh, that you don't always hear uh, in, in the news media. Uh, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a good time. It was a, it was a very fruitful time. I asked uh, Pastor Gill and the two, our two interns, Brady and Baker, to go with me because I felt like it was important for them to be a part of that. And I, I really, I wanted to follow along with that. We got to July 4th coming up next Tuesday, Independence Day. And uh, so this is a very, uh, this is always a very patriotic, important time in our country as we, uh, only, only America celebrates July the 4th, right? Because that is our Independence Day. And uh, I don't know, perhaps other countries who do love America celebrate July the 4th. I don't know, but I know there's a whole lot of countries that don't, uh, don't like us. Um, but tonight, I want to discuss the subject of prayer and politics. And I'm not preaching on politics. I don't want anybody to get upset and walk out. Uh, that's, that's not the point. Um, but I do want to, I, I want you to see some progression through the Bible of how God's people affects politics. And uh, I, I hope it'll be a help to you tonight. We're going to read 1 Timothy 2, and uh, Paul's writing here to the preacher, and uh, he gives us some things that I feel that, are, that, uh, that sometimes we overlook. Uh, verse number 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications... Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Can y'all say those last two words with me? All men. Not the ones that we pick and choose, not our best friends, not our favorites. He talks about his praying uh, uh, and giving thanks for all men. He goes on in verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority. There's your politicians there. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Boy, uh, we, need some, we need something to happen to have a quiet and peaceable life in our country. Amen? And really across the world, every country could say that. And it, what Paul is saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is it begins with praying for these individuals. Um, so he mentions them. Why do we pray for them? That we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And he says in verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, how do we live a quiet and peaceable 
life in all godliness and honesty. Well, what we need is a country filled with God-fearing people. Amen. People who seek the Lord for wisdom, for counsel, who know the word of God, and who proclaim Jesus Christ. Not just say one thing on one side of their mouth and speak something else out of the other. Uh, it, it's based upon the authority of the word of God. So this would be good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And his purpose is that all men who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's pray together. And we'll get into this tonight. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have together. I, I realize it's a Wednesday night. Uh, Lord, I, I feel it in my body. It's been a busy, busy week, long days, long hours. And, and I feel that, and I know that our people feel that. And yet, they're here tonight, and uh, Lord, they, they place a priority uh, upon uh, getting time together, getting time in the Word. I pray for our children tonight, as Pastor Gill and others, uh, Miss Elaine and others, minister to our children. I pray for our teenagers tonight. I, I pray that uh, our church is an encouragement uh, to uh, Brother Josh and, and uh, their church and uh, others who have come together. I believe it's important for teenagers to come together. And I do pray tonight that they have a wonderful time. I pray that there are a hundred, as I mentioned earlier. I do pray that there are a hundred and more than a hundred. Because that it's more than, I would love to see Josh get his head shaved, Lord. But it's more than that. It's, 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 those, it's, it's kids who are underneath the preaching of your word. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that there's two hundred. And uh, that you'd have such an impact in their life and lives be changed. As we get in the word tonight, I just want us to see how we can have an enormous impact in our nation because we choose to serve and follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray tonight. Amen. I, I want you to think about, first of all, I want you to think about some individuals in the Bible who were involved politically. Uh, I want you to think, think of Joseph. Joseph, the son of Jacob. When Israel was going, you remember Joseph was sold by his brothers and really sold as to be a slave. And all of these things happen. If you remember correctly, after a number of years, Joseph comes to the conclusion, you meant, it, you meant it to evil toward me, but God meant it to good. God knew exactly what he was doing. And he got to a point where Joseph was there to help Pharaoh, to help the people of Egypt and help the people of the world because of the wisdom and the vision that God gave him. And so Joseph was a God-fearing individual who would not compromise. He, would, he was a man of integrity and a character. And as a result, he had an in, a, 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 a huge impact upon the world in that day. Think about Daniel. Daniel was one who was led into captivity. Uh, he was led into Babylon, and he was, that was not his country. He was a Jew. Uh, but because of the sins of his uh, of his country, the sins of his fathers, his own sin, God gave them up, and he ended up being a, in, in captivity uh, there for a number through the rest of his life. And uh, but during that time, God continued to use him. He would not compromise. He would not bow down. He continued to faithfully serve the Lord and love the Lord, even when they, when everyone who hated him, even politically, they, they're looking for a way to to bring him down. 
They're looking for a way to give him a bad name. They could find nothing, absolutely nothing, that they could put on CNN. Right? They couldn't, they couldn't find anything. The only thing that they could come up with is we got to pass a law that's going to make him go against his God. And even then, Daniel refused to do so. He ended up in the lion's den, but his impact upon his nation because of his faithfulness to God was enormous. Um, Esther, you remember Esther? She, uh, she came in to be the queen, uh, the king, uh, the queen there. And also when G- uh, the Jews were in exile. And uh, the uh, king's uh, right-hand man, Haman, hated the Jews and had a desire to uh, really get rid of all of them. He wanted to expel all of them, kill them all. That was his desire. But Esther stood for the people and uh, interceded for them uh, to the king. And as a result, Haman lost his life and all the Jews survived. And um, Mordecai, uh, her uncle, was promoted. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was at a time where he was the king's cupbearer. And he asked how, when, when there were those who began to go to, back to Jerusalem, he asked how the people were. He asked how Jerusalem was. And he began to pray uh, that, uh, for an opportunity. He began to pray for God to reach his homeland once again. And Nehemiah eventually went back and he built the walls there in Jerusalem. Moses. Moses was one that was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Uh, but God, uh, God raised him up and eventually would allow him to enter the, enter the Pharaoh's court and uh, be able to reach, diplom- tried to do it diplomatically. Pharaoh would refuse and uh, he just saw God intervene in miraculous ways to deliver his people. Even in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, the believer is referred to as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We often see ambassadors on the news who are representing our country in different countries across the world. Well, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ because this world is not our home, right? This world is not our home. We are here representing heaven. We are here representing God the Father and Jesus Christ. And so we see that. God is not absent from politics. He's not absent from government. There are, there are ways and there are people that he puts in position for, for really to turn the nation itself back to God. He often uses preachers, but he also, prophets, but he also uses uh, just uh, in, uh, men and women to turn people's heart back to the Lord. I want you to turn your Bible tonight to Acts chapter 4. And uh, I think that this is important because this is uh, where the church begins in Acts chapter 2. Jesus was crucified. Jesus rose again from the grave. He spent, he spent 40 days after his resurrection with, with others, and, and they became witnesses of his resurrection. In Acts 1 and uh, verse number 8, he told them that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. and As a result, they'll have power to be witnesses of him and testify of him. In chapter number 2, they receive that power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they become that testimony and begin to preach the gospel. 3,000 people get saved in Acts chapter 2. And then Acts chapter 3 happens and and Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Uh, They meet a lame man who is there asking for money. Uh, He has a need in his life. He he can't support himself and so he's outside the, 
church house. He's outside the temple asking uh, God's people to, uh, for some spare change, some kind of help. And Peter says, uh, looking upon him in verse 4, he says, silver and gold have I, or verse, he looks upon him in verse 4. He, um, the, the man looks at him in verse 5, expecting to receive something. In verse 6, Peter just says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man began to walk, he, he leaped up, he began to praise the Lord, he went into the temple, life changed, life transformed, everybody is seeing that, and everybody begins to think, what happened with this guy? Is this not he that was begging? But his life is completely changed. That's what God wants to do with every person, amen? He wants to change, he wants to change lives. We get to chapter 4, and I want to, uh, this point here, that I have listed, if you're taking notes, is the power of the people, right? The power of the people. Before I get into that, I want to read you Mark 15, verses 13 through 15, where Jesus was standing before Pilate. You remember Pilate, he could find no fault with Jesus Christ, could find no fault with him at all. He didn't want to, he didn't want to crucify him, he didn't want to do anything to him. It says, and they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, verse 15, and the words are mentioned here, Willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus. And when he had scourged him, to be crucified. All right? Pilate found no fault with Jesus Christ. There was nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. But the majority of the people, the multitude of the people, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and so they're yelling out, crucify him. And they even came to the point and said that Pilate, if he doesn't crucify him, that he is not a, that he is not a friend of Caesar's, that he is not on Caesar's side. And that, that is going to cause him political damage himself. And all Pilate is is a politician. And so Pilate, even though against his conscience... Though he did not want to do anything with Jesus, and though he could find no fault with him whatsoever, he was willing to do hear the to obey the voice of the people, and as a result, he had Jesus Christ crucified. Now, Acts chapter four, we're going to read. All right, it's very important. If you want to get something out of this tonight, it's important that you read along with me and stay with me. And I'm going to just point out some things as we read. Verse one, we're going to read down to verse twenty-one. And as they, and as they uh, spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, and uh, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So this lame man was healed. Everyone had gathered together, so Peter used the opportunity to preach the gospel. Okay, And so many, many people heard it. Well, there were some religious leaders there who became very upset. Um, and so what their problem is, is they just don't want the multitude to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear preaching or, the res, or Jesus the res, being resurrected from the dead. And so in verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. I'm not going to go so far as to call it a jail cell. But basically, that's what it was. They, they kept them up away from everyone else. But, but before they did that, when they had all the preaching, verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, 
and the number of the men was about 5,000. So 5,000 men got saved at that prayer meeting. That's good, ain't it? 5,000 men. I'm going to tell you something. If 5,000 people get saved on one night, it's going to stir up a town, right? Even the size of Huntsville. You could go into Huntsville. It'll stir, it'll get some, it'll get some attention. 5,000 people came to Christ. Well, some people want to put a stop to it. I promise you, the devil's going to want to put a stop to it. And verse 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. These are, these are individuals who are responsible for having Jesus crucified. In verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? And what they're asking is in regards to the lame man. Okay, By what power, by what name were you able to do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to underline that phrase, because we cannot be a bold witness without being filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? You, gotta, you, you have to walk with the Lord and be filled with the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. You have to be filled with the Spirit of God. He says, being filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's boldness, right? He's just, let, he's just letting it out. Now, verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and pursued, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. May everyone take knowledge of that with us. Can I get amen there? I mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to be with a crowd, be sure you're with Jesus' crowd. All right? And verse 14, And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They, they could not argue with what happened to the lame man. You cannot argue with the testimony of a changed life. You cannot argue it. You can hate the Bible. You can hate Jesus. You can hate church. You can hate Christianity. You can hate all those things. But that guy whose life has been changed, you can't say nothing about it. Right? They can't say anything about that. Now, verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. They had their little council meeting. Saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Happens all the time. I remember my mother when she was a secretary in the Madison County School System. She got approached and she had a cross on her necklace. 
she got some complaints about that. Because she had a and this was 20 years ago, cross on her necklace. We cannot deny that changed life. But the thing is, is we don't want other people to know it. We don't, know, we don't want more followers of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to command you not to speak. But Peter, verse 19, Peter and John answered and said unto them, listen. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now watch this. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Why? Why? What's it say? Because of who? Because of the people. We can't do anything. We're going to threaten them, but we can't stop them. Why can't you stop them? Because 5,000 people just got saved. And you had a couple of days earlier, 3,000 people got saved. There is some, there's a buzz going on in this city. And right now, people are interested in this Jesus. And right now, we can't, we can't do anything to them because of the people. That's why we can't do anything. All right? Because of the people. For all men glorified God. All men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old in whom this miracle of healing was showed. So the people was on the side of God. And as a result... They could threaten, they could make commands, but they really can't do anything about it because of the people were glorifying God. Now, secondly, I want you to see the power of prayer. We're going to start in verse 23, okay? Verse 23. So what, is the, what does Peter and John do? Well, being let go, they went to their own company. That's their, that's their fellowship. You, you, my company is Somerville Baptist Church. I like to be with my people. You, uh, God's people. That's, that's, that's my company. That's our company. Well, they come together. They report all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. I like it when God's people pray in unity. Together. Together. You know what? Why is the devil winning so much now? Because God's people don't come together to pray. It's not a priority. All right? They come together with one accord. They hear that. They hear that they're trying to shut us down. They don't want us talking about Jesus. They want us to keep it to ourselves and keep us quiet. Listen, that is not good enough. We need God's help. We need God's authority. And so together they, with one voice, lift up their voice to God in one accord. And they say, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Man, they're quoting scripture when they're praying. That's a good thing. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That's when Jesus Christ was being delivered to be crucified. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Yes, they, they were responsible for crucifying Jesus Christ. But in truth, God sent his only begotten son in the world to die for us. Amen? So God allowed that to happen. They recognize that. They're giving it all to the Lord. Verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. 
You know what they're saying. You know how they're trying to stop us. You know how they're trying to get rid of Christianity and Christian morals and Christian principles. And he says, Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So what do they pray for? Give us boldness to stand for truth. Give us boldness to speak out. Not be quiet, be silent. Give us boldness. And he says in verse 30, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Did the Lord answer their prayer? Yes, he answered their prayer. They left there filled with the Holy Spirit. They left there speaking the word of God in truth and in boldness. If you're going to go to jail, go to jail for serving the Lord. Not for filling the lusts of your flesh. The multitude of them, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power, great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Man, power of prayer you see there, all right? So God's people's praying. They're not praying, Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, fix our country. Lord, change the heart of our politicians. They're just praying, God, give me boldness to tell people about Jesus Christ. Because that's the answer to all our problems, right? Amen. All right, let's go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. Power of one voice. Did you see this? The power of one voice. Chapter 5. We're going to move on down to verse 12. Boy, I could read the whole book. By the way, that is how I read my Bible, just so you know. I, I, li- I, like to get, I like to get passionate when I'm reading it. All right, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. People still getting saved, multitudes of people getting saved. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter, with his apostolic power, passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. They were healed, every one. Then the high priest arose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with indignation. They were filled with hate. We hate those preachers. We hate those Christians. We don't like anything about them. So what they do, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, there's Larry Culp. Can't keep jail. You can't keep God out of the jailhouse, can you? Can't keep him out. They put him in jail, but God sent his angel in there to take care of him. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak. That message right there will preach in itself. Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. The Lord did not tell them, Okay, I realize it's getting tough for you. I know, man, my goodness, you've been in prison. 
I know it's getting hard. Now you need to be quiet and lay down a little bit. No, God set them free to go tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen. Go tell people about the Lord. And when they heard that, verse 21, they entered in the temple early in the morning. First thing, man, early in the morning they're there and they taught. But the high priest came. He didn't know all this was happening. And they that were with him and called the council together and all the sin of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, Hey, the prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we opened, we found no man within. Say, how'd that happen? That's only God. Verse 24, And when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple, and they are teaching the people. Man, ain't that good? Say, why is that so good? Let me tell you. They were easy to be found. On Wednesdays and Sundays, God's people ought to be very easy to be found. Right? Where are we going to find them at? Well, let's go to the temple and see if they're there. There they are. That's where they are. All right. Where are we at? Uh, verse 25. Are we there or farther down? 26. All right. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence. Why did they bring them without violence? Because they feared the people. He's worried about what people would do, lest they should have been stoned. If we, bring them out with, if we bring them out with violence, we're going to get stoned to death. It's a different, it's a, it's a different country. There's a different atmosphere going on. They feared the people. And when they had brought them, they cast them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Man, what a testimony. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. That, what, what's that up there say? That all may what? All may know. Man. In just a little while, they're getting the, they're getting the bony finger pointed in their face and said, You have filled this city with your doctrine. They have made, they have made it all known. Verse 29, then Peter and the apostles answered and said, Well, we ought to obey a God rather than men. That's a good one. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart. And took counsel to slay them. And stood Peter up, and then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. You'll know Gamaliel as the one who trained up Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul when he got saved. But Gamaliel is a doctor of the law. He was, he was one that was in reputation among all the people. And he commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, You men of Israel, Take heed yourselves what you intend to do is touching these men. For before these days there rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. 
And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men. Just let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. That's the power of one voice right there. He stood in the gap. I don't, I'm not going to say he's a believer. He wasn't a believer in Christ. But he had some wisdom about him. You could call him bipartisan in some way, couldn't you? And so he just said, you need to leave these guys alone. But I want you to see what happened in verse 40. To him they agreed, and when they called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Before they just threatened them. Now they're threatening them and beating them. Y'all see that? And then they let them go. In verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Keep it going. Keep it going. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Now, here's one. The power of controlling the narrative. All right? The power of controlling the narrative. Now, here's, here's what happens. The news outlets have to appeal to their, to their listeners. You got me? So it's, it's, it's a money-making thing. They're not just reporting truth. They have to report it with a spin of the people who, are, who they are reaching out to, who they're listen, their listeners, people's interested in them. So, so you could say you have CNN, you have Fox News, who are they trying to reach, right? And so, and so what is done is it's reported, they control the narrative. They decide what kind of, exactly what are we going to report here, how are we going to report it, how are we going to make that, how, how are we going to make it public? They're in control of that. And so you, people choose, well, I don't like this one, I like this one. And the reason you like that one is because they fit your beliefs, and this one over here fits someone else's beliefs. And really what has happened is it's become a great divider in America. Because it's not, it's not just delivering the news, delivering uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way, I'm just, I'm just delivering the news here. I'm not delivering it with my spin on it. But the fact is, people are people. And money rules everything, right? It just does. And so that's, that's how... Now, years ago, newspapers realized they could run the world by what they put in ink. Now, watch in Acts chapter 6. I want you to see how this begins to take place. And in those days, in verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, 
a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Stephen's the main character here in chapter 6 and chapter 7. Let's look at verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So again, more and more people are getting saved, the church is growing, God is, God is moving forward. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among, those, among the people. Then there arose, it always happens, there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, of them of Cilician and Asia, disputing with Stephen. Now these leaders there, they are, they are not just religious leaders, they are political leaders. They have control over their community. It says in verse 10 that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spake. So what did they do? They, they, can't, they can't catch him. So what am, what am I going to do to get him? Well, verse 11, they controlled the narrative. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. That is a lie. And they stirred up the people. All right, there's the people again. Well, now they're controlling the narrative here. And it's causing a division. And the people are getting stirred up. And the elders and the scribes come upon them and caught him and brought him to the council. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, I can't read all of, uh, all of this chapter. Let's go down to chapter 7. Let's go down to verse 54. Um, let's go to chapter 7, verse 54. So they controlled... They controlled the narrative, and as a result, now the people are getting stirred up. So there's a change, there's a change in the outlook of the people. Um, look in verse 54. I'm going I'm to call this the power of the mob, all right? Verse 54, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Uh, Stephen just laid it out. He just preached the word to them. He just preached truth to them. And when they got done, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They did not repent. They did not get right. They just hated him more. In verse 5, but he, being uh, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfast in the heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped. <laughs> Big babies. Right? Stop their ears. He's still trying to give it to them. They don't want to hear anymore. They stop their ears. Um, they run upon him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And, they wit and, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin of their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. Do you see how it changed? 
The people have changed now. There's not as much liberty because, because there is a growing disturbance uh, amongst the community, amongst that city. And so now there's a persecution against the church. And as a result, the church was scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. They had to get out of there. That's, that's, that's what a mob can do. Now, let's close. Acts 12. Acts 12. Look with me in verse 1. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, one of the original apostles. He killed him with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he saw it pleased the people, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Do you remember earlier? They said, don't teach about Jesus, but because of the people, they couldn't do anything to him. Right? Now... The, the, the views of the people has changed. And now they're coming after him. And as a result, James just got killed. And because people are happy about it, he's going after Peter. Let's take out the main guy now. Let's look. Let's continue. This is where I want us to get to. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But, can you all say that with me? But prayer was made without ceasing of the church under God for him. God's people are praying. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but he, he thought he was, saw a vision. He thought he was sleepwalking. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth in the city, which opened to them of his own accord. I, I probably have said this before, but every time I read that, I think of the automatic doors when you walk into Walmart. I don't know who invented it, but he had to get it from the Bible. Except, except God didn't need no electricity. God just opened it. He walks right on out there into the street. And when he did, the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, what? Praying. 
How about that? Pray. The Bible is always relative. Always. It is always amazing. Listen. It, whether, whether we are in a, the midst of a great spiritual awakening and the multitudes are getting saved and it's controlling the newspapers, the, the media, it's controlling everything. You know, for a while there, they had, that, they had that revival going up in Kentucky, I think, and it was on the news constantly, wasn't it? It was everywhere. Now, now that stuff is, is, is gone, and it's not in the news anymore. Sometimes you have a great spiritual awakening. When that's happening, I, I mean, people are spiritual, and they're thinking about God, and they're thinking about revival. But what are you going to do when things aren't that way? What are you going to do when, the, when the, the views and the perspectives and the attitudes of the people are contrary to the Word of God? What do you do then? Well, thankfully in America, you go vote. Right? You have that power in America. But as a believer, what do you do? Well, when they were threatened, they all got together as a church and they prayed. And they didn't pray for everything to be easier. They didn't pray for politicians to change everything. They just prayed for God to use them to impact their community. Can I get an amen out there? They prayed, God give us the boldness to impact our community. Can't affect the whole world, but we can't affect our community. And let's do that. And so they prayed, give us the boldness. And God gave them the boldness. And they went and did something about it. And over time, the views continue to get worse and worse and worse to the point that now, not only are they publicly making laws and say, don't tell people about Jesus, but now they're prosecuting them. To the point in that day, they were killing them. What delivered them? God's people doing what? God's people praying. Understand the power of prayer. That's why I titled this message tonight, Prayer and Politics. It's more than just voting, and it's more than just getting on social media and, and pointing out our, our own personal political views. It's more than that. We have that right to voice that in America. We have that right, and that's a good right. Thankful for that. But don't forget to pray, and don't forget to pray for God to use you and me to use us to make an impact in our community. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you that we have this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we live in America.